Survivor 46 is here, and so is On Fire, the only official Survivor podcast, and we have a twist this season. The winner of Survivor 45, D. Vyadaris, will be joining us every week. We're going behind the scenes of the biggest moments, the how and the why things happen, and the strategy and analysis you can only get from someone like me, a Survivor winner. Listen to On Fire, the official Survivor podcast, wherever you get your podcasts. Does Monday at the office feel like a storm? Not with Microsoft Copilot. That feeling when Copilot gets everyone up to speed instantly? It's sunny again. When Copilot simplifies complex data so your teams can act, that sun's shining on a beach. And when Copilot uncovers hidden insights, you're on that beach with your people and you find buried treasure. That's Microsoft Copilot. Learn more at Microsoft.com slash AI for all. With threats to our nation waiting around every corner, adaptability is more important than ever. When conditions change without notice, quick strategic thinking is crucial. And with obstacles consistently impending, determination is essential in overcoming them. It's this willingness, decisiveness, and resilience that sets Marines apart. With our fighting spirit, we don't just fight battles, we win them. Marines are the constant our nation counts on to fight the unknown. And through adaptable problem solving, we do just that. Learn more at Marines.com. Getting engaged is a moment worth cherishing. A one-of-a-kind ring that you design at Blue Nile can help your love sparkle. Just choose your diamond and setting. When you've found the one, you'll get it delivered right to your door. Finding the right engagement ring can be nerve-wracking. At Blue Nile, you'll have the expert guidance needed and a diamond guarantee that ensures you're getting the highest quality at the best price. Cherish all of life's moments and save up to 30% at BlueNile.com. That's BlueNile.com. Pittsburgh Steeler fans, welcome to another episode of the Steelers Draft Fix. My name is Jeremy Betts, back with you again, as always, with my man, Andrew Wilbar. Andrew, I hope you're doing well today, and let me ask you this real quick. How cool was it to have Quentin Lake on our show that the listeners are going to hear here in just a minute. It was fantastic. I got, I reached out to him not super long ago on Twitter and he kind of responded. I had reached out probably about a week or so before he had actually contacted me back and he'd shown interest in coming on the show. And of course it's a little bit more, has a little bit more credibility with Quentin Lake because of his ties to the Steelers. So I think it was really interesting uh, just seeing his takes as you're going to get to hear later on excuse me on exactly what his dad has taught him and uh, just so many things I mean he's said himself he's an old school player so you're gonna really enjoy the interview Steelers fans love those type of players Uh, I think you all are gonna be in for a treat yeah absolutely for any fans who um, have not followed this uh, player at all in the draft process Quentin Lake is the son of Carnell Lake who played for the Steelers in the 90s one of the better uh, defensive backs that the Steelers have employed in their historic uh, existence, if you will. So uh, definitely check out 
uh, here in a little bit, we're going to, we're going to show you that interview that we had with Quentin Lake. And you can also find the video on YouTube. Uh, Andrew uh, posted that on his YouTube channel. You can check it out there as well. But first, before we get into that, Andrew, I wanted to talk to you really quick about your mock draft that came out on BehindTheSteelCurtain.com, your one-stop shop for all things Pittsburgh Steelers. Uh, I wanted to talk to you about that because there were some interesting things I thought in there, and I want to get your perspective on it. Um, listeners, you can go to BehindTheSteelCurtain.com and check out this mock draft if you haven't already. Great content, really good insights into a lot of different players. I believe you did three rounds. Is that correct? Correct. Right. Okay. So we start off with a little bit of a surprise in the first round, something that I personally hadn't seen in some in other mocks to this point. But uh, let's hear who the pick was and, and how you got there. Well, I went with Jamison Williams from Alabama, and this is kind of a surprise. You don't generally think about the Steelers being a team that's looking for wide receiver. But in this mock draft, um, Malik Willis was already off the board. Kenny Pickett was already off the board. So I wasn't going to be looking quarterback unless the Steelers were going to move down. And that's generally not something that Kevin Colbert likes to do. Maybe the Steelers reach for one there at 20. It's definitely possible. Uh, Trevor Penning, not a big fan of him, his fit with the Steelers, but he was already off the board. Zion Johnson, I think he'd be a bit of a reach at 20, but I actually had him going at 18. So there weren't a ton of great options for the Steelers at 20 where they were. The guy I would have chosen if I was the general manager would have been Andrew Booth from Clemson. Uh, I think he could honestly be the best corner in this class when it's all said and done. But with Williams, it's he did have the ACL injury, and that is a concern. But the Steelers have not had a true burner since Martavis Bryant. And Jamison Williams would bring a totally different element of speed to this offense. And I know it may sound like a luxury, but the Steelers only have two receivers from last year's 53-man roster under contract, and that's Deontay Johnson and Chase Claypool. Again, this is being recorded on Saturday, so maybe you know by now we've re-signed uh, one of our pending free agents. But wide receiver is a need, not necessarily when you have to go with in the first round, but I feel like with a guy like Jamison Williams, whoever is under center, whether that be Mason Rudolph or Dwayne Haskins or fill in the blank, a guy we'll get into in a second, maybe in the second round, I think a realistic thing not necessarily what I would do but something I could see the Steelers doing is adding another explosive weapon in a draft that is really rich at the top with wide receiver talent yeah you might you might um see Steeler Nation if this were to happen kind of up in arms at first but uh with the explosiveness that Williams showed all throughout this last season for the Crimson Tide that's going to be exciting in the long run if he does end up landing in Pittsburgh, uh, the element that they need in this offense to really open it up and allow Claypool to work the intermediate portion of the field, uh, be their contested catch specialist, and then Deontay Johnson just to kill uh, cornerbacks and linebackers in the uh, short and intermediate areas of the field with his uh, route running ability. So I like Williams as a prospect a lot. Um, and if he were to end up being a Pittsburgh Steeler, I wouldn't have too many complaints. We had a trade in round two of your mock draft, Andrew. What did you trade wh or what did the Steelers trade up for um, in your mock? Well, again, let me remind everyone that this the mock drafts are not about necessarily what I would do is about just what I think makes sense based on how the board fell in this mock. 
And I had the Steelers trading up to pick 36 with the Giants. And this month we give up our second round pick at 52. And then we give up a 2023 third round pick to go up and get Sam Howell, the quarterback from North Carolina. I'd, again, I'd not be a fan of this move at all. But before all the Malik Willis rumors came at the Senior Bowl, Sam Howell was the guy that a lot of people inside the NFL thought the Steelers had their eye on. So maybe Willis is their top guy, and maybe Howell is kind of their backup option. Maybe they, I hope, I definitely hope they don't take him at 20. Wouldn't really like a trade up either. Uh, but he was once projected to the top five pick after losing his top receivers and running backs. He could, he was just not the same quarterback. And at the scouting combine, one thing I noticed is that he was really bad throwing out routes, which was something that Baker Mayfield, and that's the main comparison to Sam Howell. Baker Mayfield was excellent on throwing out routes toward the sideline. Sam Howell struggled with those at the combine. I know it's just the combine, but still something, just a minor observation. But I, I'm curious to get your thoughts because the other quarterback that was still on the board at this point was Carson Strong. If you were the Steelers, not necessarily what they will or will not do, but if you were the GM, if Jeremy Betts is the general manager of the Pittsburgh Steelers and you were forced to take a quarterback, who would you take between Sam Howell and Carson Strong? Well, first of all, I got to say that um, general manager Jeremy Betts of the Pittsburgh Steelers sounds really good. And I think I'll <laughs> throw, throw that uh, in to the organization to see if they'll consider that after Kevin Colbert's absence. But no, in all seriousness, I prefer Howell to Strong because of the mobility factor. And also because I think Howell has more of that innate leadership ability um, that you want in a quarterback these days. He's he is a very um, enigmatic personality. He's got a lot of spunk and pizzazz about him, which I think would be kind of an, a welcome change in Pittsburgh um, from what we've had the past 18 years and kind of a, a subtle leader, if you will, in Ben Roethlisberger and uh, how his mobility and the, the way he or the experience he has had at the collegiate level gives him the upper hand, in my opinion, over strong. So if I'm the Pittsburgh Steelers, I would uh, definitely be taking Howell over strong in the second round. Um, moving on to the third round of your mock draft, you had the Steelers getting in on the University of Georgia party with a pick at linebacker. Who did you have the Steelers taking it in round three? Yeah, I went with Quay Walker. And just going off the comments on this article, if you go and check out the article, uh, a lot of people were really unhappy with the first two picks, and rightfully so. But sure. just about everybody came around on this pick at pick 84. And a lot of people, mock drafts have Walker going in the early to mid-second round. But I think because of the depth at inside linebacker, you're going to see one or two of these guys fall, whether it be Damone Clark, Shannon Tindall, Chad Muma. Any of those guys could potentially fall. In this mock draft, I had Quay Walker falling. And, you know, don't get me wrong. I'm a firm believer that Devin Bush was not fully recovered last year. I think he can recover. And I think with Brian yes. Flores as his linebacker's coach, I think he has a chance to reach a totally different level that we have not seen from him yet. But we don't have any great answers at Buck linebacker. Robert Spillane, serviceable, not a guy you want there long term. And Joe Schobert is not a Buck linebacker. The Steelers tried to get him into that role last year. It did not work out. Uh, he's just not a Buck linebacker. I think he's going to get cut because of his high cap hit. But Walker is a really good athlete, uh, did a lot better as the season went on, we had a little bit slow start to the season, but he was kind of buried. He wasn't, he didn't get talked a lot about because of N'Kobe Dean, because of Shannon Tindall, because of all the pieces around him on the Georgia defense. Right. You have to, you have to be curious because you don't know how much 
of his playmaking ability was actually him or was it the defensive line keeping him clean to be able to make those plays? But still, it, yes, he's six foot three, which is important because I think the Steelers need length that inside linebacker. Steelers do not have that. He's 240 pounds. He's a good tackler. Uh, he's a guy that I really think would be a good compliment to Devin Bush, especially with what Brian Flores is going to be bringing to the table as the head coach, as the uh, linebackers coach. Yeah, absolutely. And the, his range was definitely on display at the NFL Combine. Uh, the straight line speed and then the uh, quickness in the drills was definitely evident for Quay Walker, a guy I would love to see in a Steelers uniform for sure. All right. That brings us to really the highlight of this week's episode. And that is our interview with uh, Quentin Lake, the safety prospect out of UCLA going into the 2022 draft somebody the Steelers could look at because of those ties and bloodlines with the team, somebody they could look at late in the draft. So without further ado, Andrew and I got to talk to Quentin Lake. Here it is. Pittsburgh Steelers fans, we have a treat for you today. If you've been following the Pittsburgh Steelers for over two decades, you may recall a player by the name of Carnell Lake. That's right. Well, his son is a 2022 NFL draft prospect, and he was kind enough to take the time to join us here on the Steelers Draft Fix podcast. So without further ado, we're delighted to be joined by 2022 NFL Draft prospect and UCLA safety, Quentin Lake. Quentin, thank you so much for coming on the show today. Let me just begin by asking, how is your offseason going so far and how well is your preparation for the pro day coming? Yeah, so um, no, my offseason has been great. Um, I've got countless opportunities and that first started off with the East-West Shrine game, which um, Eric Galco, he did an amazing job setting that up in Vegas. Um, and it was about a week, a week-long kind of tenure over there. Um, got to meet with, you know, a couple coaches um, and then a couple scouts and all that stuff, do interviews. And it was, you know, a good first initial kind of like briefing of, you know, what the NFL has for a lot of guys, a lot of, you know, NFL prospects. Um, obviously training. So I'm, I was actually training down in San Diego at an Exos down there. Um, but the whole process has been great. And then obviously got the opportunity to go to the combine. So I was kind of checking off all the boxes. Um, so that being, you know, all-star games, um, you know, training combine pro day, and then, you know, eventually their draft, but it, you know, it's been awesome. It's, it's been, uh, it's been great. No complaints here. Yeah. Man, that's cool. Um, as Steelers fans, we've been following your um, draft profile and situation a little more closely, obviously because of the connections uh, from your dad playing. Um, But, you know, personally, I thought watching the the scouting combine that you were very fluid and your movement skills are top notch. Um, And I wanted to see kind of based on the combine and uh, what you're planning to do at, at your pro day, is that something you're trying to highlight is your, your movement skills or do you have other goals that you want to to reach as a NFL prospect? Yeah. Um, no, and that's a, that's a great question. Um, yeah, I definitely wanted teams to understand that I'm a fluid player. I think that mm-hmm. was a big um, footwork and technique is some, you know, I kind of, you know, it's important to me. It's important to my game and it, it kind of shows, especially this last season, you know, being able to get in and out of my breaks, being able to, be efficient, being able to, you know, have good change of direction was all things I wanted to, you know, check the boxes off for these teams. So especially when I got the, you know, opportunity to show that off in the combine, I just really wanted to make sure that, 
um, these teams understood that, you know, I'm very efficient when I'm getting out of my breaks and very, very, a very fluid player. Um, but yeah, that was definitely something that I emphasize. And even, you know, going to the pro day, um, a lot of it has to do with, you know, making sure that, you know, these teams understand what kind of player I am, mm-hmm. you know, they, um, they have the tape, you know, they kind of get an understanding of, you know, what, what I am as a player more. So I want them to understand me as Quentin Lake. I think that's another important sure. thing going processes, you know, having teams understanding that, you know, I'm a, you know, I'm a kid of good character, you know, don't have any off the field issues. Um, and then we'll do anything to help a team win. So although the football aspect is important, um, I more so want to show these teams, Hey, you know, we're bringing in, you know, not only a guy that can help us, our team win, but it can also, you know, create good locker room morale, you know, can do things outside of the organization that will help the organization win as well. So it's a combination of both on sure. and off. Awesome. Now, one question I've always liked to figure out when I'm talking to a prospect or really anybody in general, who's your favorite all-time NFL player and why? Yeah. Um, I am an old school player, like especially when my dad being played in the league, you get exposed to a lot of older guys that really revolutionate, revolutionize the game. Um, so one of the players that I really, and I got the chance to meet him actually was awesome. Uh, Rod Woodson, another Steeler. Oh yeah. Uh, he's, um, and you know, it would easy, it would be easy to say my dad, obviously, sure. but now I'm gonna go with Rod just cause you know, one, you know, he almost played two decades in the league, which is almost unheard of, especially at the defensive back position. Um, and then, Another thing was that, you know, he was so successful at an early age um, and so dominant. You know, he did, you know, return, he returned, you know, punts. He was a lockdown cornerback for, you know, however long. So just kind of looking at his game and looking at, at his fundamentals and technique is some, you know, I wanted to translate. Obviously, the game has changed, you know, a lot since he's played and even when my dad played. But I think taking the physicality, especially from players back then, the physicality, and kind of the the mindset that they have, you know, thank God I had the opportunity to talk to him. So he kind of gave me a little insight of, you know, what the mindset is, you know, to be, to last so long in the NFL. That's one guy I really aspire to um, kind of mock my game off. That's neat. And um, I don't know if you know this, but on the NFL Network broadcast, he actually talked about you um, after your, your on-the-field drills uh, were over. So That's awesome. Now, yeah, he's no- yeah since since I was I even remember like he'd known me since I was like a baby so it's kind of surreal yeah that's that's super neat um I I wanted to ask you um specifically about some of the the traits that um that your dad displayed as a as a player and if you um, as a prospect and as, as you've grown up in the game of football, are, are there things that your dad did that you want to mirror as you pursue your NFL career? Or are you really trying to make a name for Quentin Lake as, as a standalone type yeah. NFL player? Yeah. Um, I think the legacy of my dad is always going to stick with me, um, you know, regardless of where I go. It even It even followed me in college. Sure. Uh, so – it's not more so kind of separating at this point. I think it's just embracing it. I think that's important. Um, but a lot of, you know, his game was, he was so opportunistic when it came to like opportunities on the field, whether that was, you know, trying to get a strip sack interception, you know, the Steelers used, used utilized him in a lot of good ways, whether that was blitzing, 
you know, playing in the back end, you know, covering slots, all that stuff. So he was a versatile player. And that's one of the things I want to do, especially going into the league, because I feel like I can do it. I can cover, you know, I can blitz, I can play deep, I can play in a box, you know, I can do a lot of things that adds value to my stock, which will really help a team say, you know, uh, you know, maybe we're lacking in this area on our defense. Hey, Quentin, can you do this? Or, you know, you know, we need another, um, we have another job spot open. Hey, can you do this? And I feel like I can just, you know, kind of, I'm a plug and play player, you know, wherever I need put, I can play and I can do it successfully. And I think that's one of the things, like I said, is what my dad did well. So that's kind of what, you know, I take from him is, you know, being versatile and being able to do a lot of, a lot of different things, but do them well and do them, you know, almost as if you're playing, you know, you're starting at the position if that makes sense. So. Sure. Absolutely. Now, your dad obviously made a big impact on this team for many years. What is one thing that you have learned, whether it be on the field or off the field, that you've learned from him that has helped get you to this point in your NFL or soon-to-be NFL career? Yeah. Um, I'll do it on and off the field. So and I'll start with the off the field. Off the field stuff is, you know, you have to talk to people and treat everybody with respect. Um, I think that's is you don't you don't ever know who you're interacting with especially being a, you know, potentially well-known player. Um, you know, people always kind of have an eye on you and they're always looking. So making sure that, you know, you're being respectful to everybody, whether that's the staff, whether that's the coaches, whether that's the fans, I think it's important to really leave an impact on people of how you are as a person. And then for the on the field stuff is, you know, you know, work hard and put in the work. Um, you know, this, um, the NFL, it, it changes so much. Um, and you have people moving in and out all the time, but to last, you have to put the work in. And that's one of the things that I'm going to continue to do. And I did in college is, you know, continue to work hard, continue to keep putting the extra hours in so I can be consistent and maintain a spot um, in the NFL. So. Sure. Um, so when you're not doing all of that, when you're not working your tail off and doing what it takes to be a a great NFL player, what will you do for fun? Uh, I like to go golfing. Uh, that's yeah. my pastime. So I don't know if you're a golfer or what you like to do, but what's your, what's your pastime? Yeah. So I'm a foodie. I'm a foodie. Okay. Yeah. yeah. Um, especially in LA. Cause obviously I, you know, went to UCLA, um, but they have a ton of great restaurants and me and my teammates, you know, we always try to find that next best restaurant, whether that's a whole hall or, you know, even sometimes fine dining. Um, obviously, you know, that hurts the pockets a little bit, but it's still fun to kind of go out and um, kind of find new restaurants and, you know, enjoy food from different cultures and all that stuff. And then obviously, you know, other than being a foodie, um, you know, I game, you know, I love video games. That's kind of just what I do in my pastime. Um, sure. And I grew up on it. So, cool. Yeah. Do you have a favorite game that you play? Yeah. Oh, um, right now. So obviously Call of Duty. Um, okay. Yeah. The classics. <laughs> yeah. The but I'm actually playing a game. It's called Elden Ring. Um, I don't know if you guys heard. But just came out, right? Come on, it's pretty popular, so I'm trying to get into that. It's a little different, but, you know, it seems like it's fun. So, Okay, cool. Well, just so our listeners are aware, Quentin is a very balanced guy as well. He was named to the 2020 and 2021 Pac-12 Fall Academic Honor Roll. So he's not just a good football player. He's a diligent student as well, and that's important. And I'm sure these NFL teams are taking notice of that. Uh, and when you're – when you watch him on tape and I have watched several games of his on tape when uh, doing some scouting reports for the website, uh, you can tell that intelligence does translate to the field. Very good communicator in the back end. Um, just very good instinctually. 
Now, would you like to tell the listeners what you've been kind of studying at UCLA and maybe give a little bit of background on why you decided to study in that area? Yeah. So at UCLA, I got my bachelor's in sociology and then I'm working on my master's in education. Um, and then I'll probably go finish that, um, you know, whenever I have some time um, in the off season later on. Um, but one of the reasons why I wanted to study sociology was it was pretty broad Um but mainly due to the fact that it worked well with football. I knew football was going to be something to take seriously. And, you know, getting into classes like, you know, neuroscience and astrophysics and all that, like the really and engineering and stuff like that, it, it takes a it takes a toll on how much effort you can put into football. You can't really balance your academics and athletics as well as you want to. Um, so sociology allowed me, it was a, it was a broader spectrum. Um, it can lead to a lot of different jobs, um, which I've heard of. Um, so I thought, you know, I could utilize that a lot better than, especially if I wanted to do football, I could utilize that degree better than something I would only really be doing like part-time, like a more specific degree. And then obviously, since I graduated early, I decided to get my master's because I got a fifth year in college. Um, and then that would lead me to, you know, potentially be a GM or a coach or something like that and kind of transition to that. So, um, yeah, academics has been, you know, a crucial part of my life, um, Obviously, my mom kind of harped on it growing up and stuff like that. But, um, you know, luckily enough, I really lo- locked down on my academics to, you know, get a degree. And I'm thankful that, for that. That was probably one of the one of my highlights in college was getting my degree. But, um, yeah, I, I did a good job balancing uh, academics and athletics for sure. Nice. Always listen to mama, right? Yeah, no doubt. No doubt That's about right. that. <laughs> okay, so um, you guys had two really impressive uh, – receivers there at UCLA, um, Greg, uh, and Kyle Phillips. Um, those two guys were uh, a main part of your, your offense. Um, can you give us a, a little bit of the experience covering those guys in practice and, uh, how you think their games will translate to the NFL as well? Yeah, I think, and me personally, I think a lot of UCLA guys just translate well into the NFL. You know, you've got Eric Kendricks, Anthony Barr, um, Chris Barnes, Kenny Clark. You know, there are a lot of UCLA guys that have have success and are still having success in the NFL. But specifically for Kyle and Greg, um, they're going to dominate. You know, Kyle has, and especially now, you're seeing it a little bit more in the NFL. You're seeing a lot of shiftier, quick twitch receivers. You know, guys like Hunter Renfro and Cooper Cup. You know, they're Mm -hmm. dominating now. so, you know, a guy like him, you know, he's just going to dominate as well. You know, he's super quick, quick, twitchy, um, good hands, has a good understanding of the offense. Um, so my like when I was guarding, it was tough, but it also helped me, especially because, you know, he's rare. You know, he's one of a kind. So you don't see that a lot, um, which really helped me with, you know, when I was covering slots, you know, it made stuff easier when I got to the game, especially going against him in practice. And then Greg, on the other hand, you know, same thing. You're getting like almost like a unicorn out of him. Like a guy that can block is fast, good hands, good routes, um, you know, efficient. Like you're getting these hybrid tight ends. So kind of, you know, I was experience, almost experienced like this new age of football where I'm getting like tight ends that are running super fast, but also physical. And then you got super shifty wide receivers. So you're getting like the be- almost like the best of both worlds and practice. And then it really helped me in the game because since you don't see it a lot, um, you know, you're kind of used to the hardest stuff. So when, you know, you see kind of like generic stuff, it was like, Oh, okay, this is easy. 
Um, but yeah, they're going to tear it up when they get to the NFL. I, I can bet on that. Final question before we let you get out of here. How would you feel about being drafted by the organization that your dad built his legacy with and being able to begin your own legacy with that same organization, of course, that being the Pittsburgh Steelers, how would you feel about being drafted by the Pittsburgh Steelers? I would love it. Um, that would be full circle. That would really be, it would really be full circle. And then just kind of me going back to the place where I was born, you know, experiencing, um, I mean, it would be awesome. I know the Steelers fan base is probably the best fan base in the league. Um, you know, you guys travel well, always show up to the home games, you know, got your terrible towels going crazy in the stands and all that. So, you know, it would be a blessing. Um, it really would. Um, I would enjoy it. You know, I'd be smiling from, you know, ear to ear if that happened. Um, yeah, you know, who knows, obviously, but no, it would be awesome. It would, yeah. I mean, I know my family would be happy. My family would be excited. I know my dad would really be, you know, it would be crazy for him too, kind of surreal for him too, but no, it would be awesome. That would be, yeah, that would be full circle, almost like a, almost like a dream. Yeah, man. Um, I, as a Steelers fan, I, I think I can speak for most of us when we say we would welcome you with open arms and uh, absolutely enjoy keeping the Lake legacy in the black and gold. So, Hey, I want to really thank you for coming on and doing this with us. It, it was a, it was a blast. Like I said, nice to meet you and uh, get to know you a little bit. The man that we'll see on TV a lot uh, in the next few years. Andrew, did you have any final thoughts? I'll just follow him on Twitter at Quentin underscore Lake. That's Quentin underscore Lake. And again, obviously we don't know where you're going to go. Obviously we're hoping it's the Steelers, but best wishes wherever you go on your NFL endeavors. Yeah, appreciate it. Thank you so much, Andrew. Thank you so much, Jeremy. It was awesome. Yes, sir. Well, uh, Steeler Nation, we're going to take a quick break, and then we will be right back, and we'll talk a little bit more about the NFL draft. It's Kaylee Cuoco for Priceline. Ready to go to your happy place for a happy price? Well, why didn't you say so? Just download the Priceline app right now and save up to 60% on hotels. So whether it's Cousin Kevin's Kazoo concert in Kansas City, go Kevin! Or Becky's Bachelorette Bash in Bermuda. You never have to miss a trip ever again. So download the Priceline app today. Your savings are waiting. Go to your happy place for a happy price. Go to your happy price. Priceline. Steelers fans, welcome back to the Steelers Draft Fix. This is the second half of our show. And uh, Andrew, I thought Quentin was such a great interview. He answered all the questions with a lot of poise and seems like a stand-up guy. What do you think? He really is. He's a guy, he's very balanced. And I know I mentioned that in the interview, but it is important to not just judge a player off of their talent. And Quentin is obviously talent. He has he's very talented, he has the bloodlines. But it's also important not to overlook his uh, smarts. He's a, he's a diligent student. Um, he seems to be a good, really good guy off the field. Has a good personality. A guy that I think guys would really cling to in the locker room. Again, probably. I mean, 
I don't think he's going to go until day three, but he's a guy that I believe he's got a good work ethic. He's got this going to keep working. Maybe he's a guy that makes it on the back end of the roster or even a practice squad. He's going to non grind his way up to being a backup and then competing for potentially starting job down the line. And I don't want to get ahead of myself with him, um, but he's a guy that I think at the very least uh, he's going to be a really good depth piece at safety. And he's a guy that I believe is going to continuously improve because of that good work ethic. Yeah, I agree. That to me is the, the biggest um, trait that a, a player can have is the work ethic. You can have all the talent in the world. Jadavian Clowney comes to mind. And if you're a guy who takes plays off, if you're a guy who doesn't put in hundred percent all the time, it doesn't always translate and talent only takes you so far. A guy like Quentin Lake has good talent, young talent, talent that can grow, but he's got the drive to get there. I would love to see him in the black and gold. I know you would too. All right, let's jump right into the offensive tackles. We're going to tackle some offensive tackles today. Uh, Talking about the prospects going into the 2022 draft. Uh, Andrew, what's your initial thoughts on this group of offensive tackles going into uh, the end of April? I think it's a little bit overrated of a group. I know throughout the summer, a lot of people were saying this was going to be a really good group. I don't see it after the top three. Obviously, Evan Neal has a chance to be an elite player. He may end up moving to right tackle in the NFL. Uh, Ikea Kwanu, another guy I was a little bit hesitant on at the beginning of the process, but the more I watch, the more I think he can hold up a tackle. And obviously, Charles Cross, another guy, a very good pass protector, still needs a lot of work as a run blocker. But after that, there is nothing known after that. I, I mean, you have a lot of guys that I think are going to probably be moving inside the guard. We may be able to get into one or two of those later on. But I did not see a bunch of guys. I mean, Bernard Raymond and Trevor Penning, Penning, super raw, going to be probably having to move to right tackle at the beginning of his career. Will he ever move to left tackle? And then uh, Bernard Raymond, 25 years old and still really a project. You know, there's just a lot of projects with linemen, not a whole lot of sure things. Yeah, I agree with you there. It's it's a class with a couple strong guys at the top three. I think I can, I could pick out that are pretty reliable, high floor, potentially high ceiling guys for a couple of them uh, that should be first round picks. But uh, I think you've got a lot of upside, but not a lot of sure things uh, in this class. That's just how I see it for sure. Um, so let's, let's look at round one because the Steelers could go a a number of different directions in round one of the NFL draft. And I think a lot of that will have uh, to do with how the Steelers play the free agent market this week. So this is being recorded Saturday night. Uh, So a lot of what is going to happen Sunday and Monday before this show comes out, uh, we'll be able to adjust later. But I think that that um, this next week of, interactions and transactions for the Steelers is going to show us a lot about what their plans are for the first round of the draft. So if offensive tackle is the position of choice for the Steelers in round one, who would you see them considering at the number 20 pick? Just because Colbert does like the sparky guys, guys that have really good athleticism early on, in the early rounds, I could see Trevor Penning as an option. Right. But if I'm the GM, I'm not even looking at offensive tackle in the first round. If I want to find me a franchise tackle, I'm just going to pay Teron Armstead, whatever it's worth, even though he's 30 years old, 
just bring mm -hmm. him in then at least you know what you're getting I wouldn't I just think penning is a little bit too much of a risk and not quite enough of a reward sure and I I think we're seeing kind of a trend of offensive tackles aging pretty well so just because Armstead is 30 years old doesn't mean he couldn't provide five six seven more years of quality uh offensive tackle play and i think it's right. something the steelers should consider for sure with there being a lack of sure things in the back half of the of the first round was there anybody else um bernard raymond at all or somebody else who might sneak up into that first round just because the position um uh, kind of only has those uh top three guys i think evan neal charles cross and uh icky Aquano are the guys that we're thinking of when we say top three yeah, I have Bernard Raymond with kind of a late second round grade. He's too old and has too far to go in his development. I wouldn't waste my time. Tyler Smith, I will say, though, is the other guy. He could go first round. He's a guy after watching his tape, as you see, you're going to see on the big board. I have him listed as a tackle. But after watching his tape, I think he needs to move inside the guard. But if you guys want potentially this year's Trey Smith, uh, of course, last year, I was a big fan of Trey Smith, ended up going in the later rounds to the Chiefs because of medical concerns, ended up having almost a Pro Bowl caliber season. He was a fantastic guard for the Chiefs this yes. year. He's only going to get better. I think Tyler Smith's that guy. I don't know if I would pick him at 20. Um, and as you're going to see in an article I have running on Monday about the perfect um, offseason for the Steelers, I believe uh, Jeff Hartman is going to run that on Monday before free agency ends. I have him us taking him on day two. Uh, he may not be there though, but if sure. I were to take any one guy, me as GM, I would try to trade back, do whatever I can to trade back. And at the back end of round one or early round two, go with Tyler Smith. He's got a lot of potential. That's, that is for certain. And it's kind of funny to me. Cause I, if you look at rankings across the internet, a lot of um, places don't have him that high in their initial rankings of players. But I think if you look at upside and, and projection value, he could end up being the steal of the draft, like you're talking about with Trey Smith last year. Man, did the Chiefs draft some good offensive linemen or what in 2021? Uh, Creed Humphrey at center and then Trey Smith, they became rock-solid interior O-linemen. That's a, a draft of, of legend for Pittsburgh fans right now. <laughs> so um, – yeah, moving on to day two. Um, I know I have a day two target that just popped out to me when I watched his combine performance. And then when I saw his combine performance, I had to go back and check out his tape a little bit as well. So let me talk about Kellen Deesh, uh from Arizona State, I believe. I hope I'm saying his last name right. If not, uh, I apologize, Kellen, if you're listening to this. Um, but uh, Kellen Deesh is just an athletic marvel. Um, he's a big guy. He's long. Uh, on the tape, you see a tenacious run defender, which is something that the Steelers need out of their uh, tackle class, whatever they bring in free agency or uh, the draft. They need guys who can uh, dig in their heels and push guys around in the rush game. And uh, Kellen did that very well, I thought. He's got some technique and footwork. Um, things that he'll need to work on, especially in a Steelers offense that likes to move and swing uh, their, their front five guys. But I just really liked his athletic upside. And if you're looking at a day two guy that uh, could fall down a little bit because of some of the uh, 
other position groups that will you'll start to see a run on in those uh, second and third rounds. I think uh, Kellen Deesh could be uh, a target for the Pittsburgh Steelers in round two or three. Andrew, I'd like to know your thoughts on him as well as any other guys that you could see the Steelers targeting on day two. Yeah, Deesh is very athletic. Um, I haven't looked super deep into his tape. I have him at 131 right now on the big board. Um, he can get driven back. He's not doesn't have the best anchor in terms of pass protection, um, but there's a lot of traits to work with. I think if he goes to a team that has a rooted offensive line coach, like if the Steelers still had Mike Munchak as the offensive coordinator, this would be an ideal guy to bring in, a guy sure. that you can just give to this genius, this offensive line genius, and say, all right, here you go. Here's all the traits you need in the world to make out a fantastic tackle. Now make something out of him. I think that would be ideal. I'm not sure. I'm not sold on Pat Meyer. But the one guy, this would be at the back, back end of day two. A lot of my guys are more day three guys that could develop into starters. But sure. Darryl Rosenthal from Kentucky. I have him at 103 on the big board currently. He's my 10th rated offensive tackle. The big concern I have is that he weighed in about 30 pounds less than what he was listed at during the season, he was listed at like 327. He weighed in at like 295. It was in the 290s somewhere. Yeah. It was really concerning, right. which makes his valuation more difficult because he looked like a player with a totally new profile. He was he showed decent power uh, on tape, but obviously, uh, you know, at 290 some pounds, you're not going to be that same type of player. And you know, he's a guy who transferred from LSU. He's very talented. He quickly became a leader on Kentucky's offensive line. And I, when you watch their bowl game, I don't remember who they played, uh, but their replacement for him at left tackle got completely destroyed. So when you go and watch Rosenthal State compared to that game, it showed how much uh, his lack of presence was felt in that game. So that uh, shows a lot to me in terms of his leadership and his performance on the field. Uh, they really missed him in that game. But he's got a nasty attitude. He plays through the whistle. Um, I'm not sure. I'm just not sure if he's going to be as effective with that style of play. Now that he's lost mm -hmm. that weight, is he going to put that weight back on? Did he just drop it to try to run a fast 40? Like those are things that obviously I don't know is just a fan and I don't have enough inside information to go off. Um, and his anchor needs a little bit work in pass protection, but I would say, and I wrote this in my scouting report on the big board. He's the biggest wild card in this offensive tackle class. He has the talent to be a really, really good starter at offensive tackle for years to come at left tackle. But there's so many unknowns because of the drop in weight, the injuries, the transfer. There's a lot of moving parts with Rosenthal, but I think he's a guy that at the end of day two, maybe the Steelers were to move back in round three, maybe to the beginning of or uh, beginning of day three. That would be ideally May fourth round. That would be where I would really feel comfortable taking. Him. Sure, um, a name that kind of pops up a lot in um, rankings for that day two time frame is. Abraham Lucas, what do you think about uh, Lucas as a, as a prospect? He's going to be good for a team that is a pass-heavy air raid offense. I think of a team like Arizona, he'd be an ideal fit there. I don't know if they are in dire need of offensive tackle right now, but uh, he, a team like that, he's not a very good run blocker. He doesn't, he plays a little bit too high in the run game. I believe he's like six foot seven. So it's understandable, but he's more of a right tackle. And generally when you think of right tackles in the modern era, you're thinking of that being your more, your strongest run blocker. And you want your pass blocker more on the blind side of the quarterback with Lucas. He's a pass protector, but he's more of a right tackle. Maybe if 
Miami. Miami would be an ideal fit just because Tua, being a left-handed quarterback, he would be the blindside protector on the right side. Um, maybe that could be a fit. I don't see him fitting with the Steelers. He's definitely a guy who's he's, was going to fit in a zone running scheme. But I wouldn't. I think he's going to go somewhere in the middle of day two, probably late second, early mm-hmm. third round. Um, he's got, I don't really think is a good fit with the Steelers. Cause I think the Steelers need somebody that can run block on that right side of the line, but, uh, he's an interesting name just because of the unique style he plays and just how different he is from the rest of the tackles. Sure. And that is a good point is, you know, which side of the offensive line is he accustomed to playing and would be projected to play? Cause, uh, that will play into the Steelers decision as well on which prospect that they would try to go after in this case. So since you're kind of feeling uh, a lot of these guys kind of blend into day three as well, uh, why don't you just run through maybe some value guys uh, in addition um, to the guys that we've already mentioned that you could see the Steelers targeting if they go with other needs or if they address other needs in the earlier rounds. One of the guys is somebody that you mentioned right after the senior bowl. And that is Matt. Well, go from North Dakota, a six foot seven, 305 pounds, I watched some of it. I actually just watched some of this tape today, right before we had recorded this, just a few hours ago. And the first thing that pops out on every, literally every down, is his mobility and the quickness out of his stance. He does a good job getting to the second level of the defense. He's pretty good blocker downfield once he gets to the second level. This is an interesting take, and you know I don't know if you've watched any of him or not, but to me it feels as if he has too much zeal coming out of his stance. And I wrote this in the big board as well in his scouting report. Cause there's times he'll, he's just, he overruns blocks. He's so quick out of his stance and he has so much mobility. It's like he gets ahead of himself. And that's such a rare problem to have in this offensive line class with a lot of guys that lack the mobility to play tackle and will probably move inside to guard. Then you have this guy who's really athletic, but sometimes he almost overruns his blocks and you don't really want that happening either, but he's a guy he's shown the ability to pull, um, which only increases his value. Um, the level of competition, a lot of these guys on day three that I was going to mention, they're smaller school guys. Yeah, that's, and that, that's, that's true. That, that's something you're going to have to, you know, put into consideration because you can look at him on tape and say, you know, he's great. But when you're playing, you know, North Sam Houston A&T, you know, <laughs> right. I mean, you know, you, you have to weigh that with other guys that are playing power five teams every week. So yeah. but he, he's a guy that I really like. And then another guy. That was mentioned by one guy. I'm, I'm going to call him out. Uh, his username is Steel34D. Uh, I'm behind the steel curtain. He doesn't write articles or anything for the site, but he's a very educated commenter when it comes to the offensive line. And I listen whenever he has something to say on the offensive line because he's usually right. Sure. And Spencer Burford is a guy that he is yeah. really high on. He's another offensive tackle. He's got a mean streak, got a nasty attitude. He has good leg drive. He gets good leverage as a run defender. His technique is decent, uh, needs a little bit of work still. But again, it comes down to that level of competition. I've watched his tape as well, and a lot like Walesco. I like Walesco slightly better. Uh, but with Burford, you know, he looks really good on tape. I believe it was the, I want to say it was the Illinois game that I watched. That's, you know, a little bit better competition based upon the talent that he has on his team. Uh, so, you know, we'll see where he goes. But he did look good in that Illinois game. And, yeah. you know, he's another guy. He's got decent athleticism. I think he has a chance to be a solid NFL starter. Not going to say he's going to ever be elite, but he's a guy who I believe in time could develop into a really good tackle. Probably going to be, I think he's a better fit at left tackle personally. But obviously, it's a little sure. bit more difficult. Maybe a team will experiment with him at right tackle. 
And then Braxton Jones is another guy uh, from Southern Utah, six foot seven, 310 pounds. He's polarizing because there's times where he is just absolutely dominant as a run blocker, as a pass blocker. Then there's other times that he, it's like, he doesn't even know how to play the position. So <laughs> uncoordinated, so unbalanced. It's, it's like two totally different players in the, in, in the same game. So, you know, again, level of competition you have to deal with. Okay. It's Southern Utah, but he's long, he's fluid, he's powerful. The only concern is that he doesn't, for the amount of power that he has shown at times, he doesn't always display that. He doesn't display it on a consistent basis. So I don't know if it has to do with just he's not there yet, or is it he's in a lack of effort? Like, there's so many things that I don't know, and I'm no offensive line aficionado, but I think Braxton Jones is a guy who's kind of the day three wild card. He's a guy, he's got starter potential as well. Very good athlete. Uh, Some of the I think he ran, he ran really well in the 40, if I remember, which doesn't have a whole lot of weight, but I think his 10 yard split time was really good, um, which is important. Mm -hmm. Don't know if he did quite as well in the other drills. Those are three guys that I really um, paying attention to on day three, Braxton Jones, Southern Utah, Spencer Burford, UTSA. And then probably my top choice on day three would be Matt. Well, let's go off and tackle in North Dakota. Right. Uh, With a guy like Jones teams that, take the flyer on him are betting on their coaching to be able to bring out the good side of what you see on tape. Right. So they, they see the upside, they see the dominance on um, half the plays. And then they see, man, what is this guy doing on the other half? And they're, they're trying to trust their coaches to be able to take that and turn it all into the upside portion. So definitely a guy to keep an eye on. And I wanted to, to mention about um, Burford is the dude is six foot five. Uh, but I think he weighed in under 300 pounds. And that tells me, though, that he's got room to grow and fill in once he gets to an NFL weight room. So I don't think that will um, detract from his value uh, in the eyes of scouts and coaches. So somebody to, to definitely keep an eye on uh, because of his, his overall ability to, to fill out and put a little more weight behind um, that already athletic frame. Okay, that kind of covers uh, most of what we want to talk about, about the offensive tackles. Uh, Andrew, I think you and I kind of both agree on this, that the Steelers are probably looking to do most of their upgrading at that position in free agency. Does that, is that what makes sense to you? That's what makes sense to me. It does to me too. That's my hope. I don't know if it's going to be the same players the Steelers go after, but I do expect us to sign a veteran. I know there's been some rumors, maybe the Steelers will bring back Chikuma Okorafor, which I would personally not be a fan of. And here's the reason why. I mentioned Teron Armstead. He's the guy I would love at left tackle. Move being more to the right side. I think you have two bookend tackles for a fairly long time. You know, sign Teron Armstead to a three-year deal. You at least have it for the short term. Maybe you extend them later on for a lesser contract. But with Okorafor, I, I don't think he's going to get like the eight to $10 million that some people are saying he could get in the open market. I don't see that happening, but the guy I want people to pay attention to who I think could be the best of value of anybody in free agency is Tyrell Crosby offensive tackle. He was for the lions. I believe he was a projected day two pick. He fell to day three. I had a day two grade on him. He struggled with some holding penalties, had a lot of holding penalties rookie season, but he cleaned up some of those issues and he became a solid tackle for the Lions in year two, but then they drafted Penny Sewell. So that knocked him out of a starting job. He ends up getting injured. They end up releasing him. They end up bringing him back. But before the season begins, 
that he ended up on injured reserve because of a back injury that ended up being misdiagnosed by the Lions coaching staff. Now, I'm not sure what happened with the injury settlement or not, but he just had a, a bunch of bad luck last year. Okay, I know yeah, he did luck, whatever. But for lack of a better term, <laughs> he just had a bunch of bad luck last year. But he's a guy that played really well. He has starting experience at right and left tackle. He's a guy that I think would be in more of an ideal swing tackle than a core for. He would fit the zone scheme that the Steelers have been trying to implement these past couple of years. And I think that he would probably cost probably about the same as a core for. I don't think he would cost any more because of that injury that was misdiagnosed. He had back surgery in December. He's still working his way back from it. But in my perfect offseason article that's going to come out on Monday, I think I have us signing him for like three years, $8 million. I would do that all day, every day, because he has starting potential. This is the ideal swing tackle to have behind Armstead and Dan Moore. To me, that's like the perfect offensive tackle group. Yeah, absolutely. And moving Dan Moore Jr. to the right side could do wonders for him because of it, it takes a little bit of pressure off uh, from being that blindside defender where he struggled, especially on obvious um, pass rush situations in 2021 I do think a move for him would be good but I do think you also then have to get a stud at left tackle and not just try to fill it with uh you know Joe Blow from the street so uh one guy that I like who has some starter experience for filling duties uh but hasn't been a full-time starter yet to this point is Joe Noteboom who played with the Rams this last year and filled in very well for them um i do you andrew i'm trying to think if uh we've heard anything from andrew whitworth has he decided to retire or is he coming back to the Rams? i haven't heard anything for sure but if the rams let him go that is an excellent sign absolutely and what i'm what i'm thinking is um the rams are kind of hoping andrew whitworth decides to hang it up so they can keep note boom but if Whitworth stays, I think they ride with him, and then I think Noteboom tries to look for a deal outside. And if the Steelers could sign him, he's an up, he's a riser. He's only 27 years old, and he's got starting experience in quality big games and could jump in right away on the blind side and be a huge addition. He's a guy I'm looking uh, at and watching closely in this uh, – this process as well. A guy on the inside I like is James Daniels. Um, but I don't know if, if he would be a priority as much as, as a outside uh, guy on offensive tackle. So that's why I lean more towards a note boom or an Armstead or, uh, you know, one of these guys that we've discussed in that case, I don't think they go after a Dwayne Brown type player. He's a little too old. Um, Trent Brown as well. I don't think they would go after, uh, somebody like that who's even more of an established veteran uh, and getting more up there in years. But I do like Armstead at 30 years old. I think he would bring maturity to a young group of guys and be a, somebody that can really help the Dan Moore juniors, the Kevin Dotsons of the world uh, for the Steelers become what their potential says they could be. So uh, that's, that's what I'm kind of looking for in the free agent market, somebody who comes in and provides that leadership while being a stud on the outside. All right, let's run through a, a couple free agency topics real quick. Uh, just to cover our bases before we go. Um, 
I have made my thoughts on Deshaun Watson and the Steelers' potential to acquire him pretty clear on Twitter. You can follow me at the bets 93 T H E B E T Z nine three. And uh, I'm not a fan of the move. I understand why Steelers fans are clamoring for it because it's a swing in the dark in a lot of cases with your draft picks and they want somebody who's established, who's, who's got a reputation as a superstar but, Andrew, I wanted to get your thoughts on it. I just don't see it happening. I don't see the Steelers being that interested. And uh, despite reports to the otherwise, I don't see the Steelers necessarily being in the mix for Watson. What, what, are, what are your thoughts there? Yeah, I don't think the Steelers go after him, but I will say that wherever he goes, I wish him nothing but the best after everything that he has gone through. And I really hope that this will be a reminder to people that – just because somebody says something against somebody does not mean that they're guilty of it. And obviously it's not completely so, but it looks as if Deshaun Watson's going to be proven innocent. It didn't really seem like there was a whole lot of substance from the beginning. I don't want to get too deep into it, but I think it's just something important to remember that just because, you know, people accuse of something does not mean that person's guilty because now Deshaun Watson has to build back up that reputation right. um, to whichever team he goes, he has to earn back that trust, whatever locker room he's going into. I think he's probably going to wind up with Seattle. Um, that's that's just my guess, uh, but I don't know. Maybe by the time uh, this is aired, you know, who knows? Maybe he's already been dealt. But I wish him nothing but the best. I don't think the Steelers are going to go after him. I wouldn't offer what they're offering, you know, unless I was like the Lions and had multiple first-round picks the next couple of years. Sure. I wouldn't go after Deshaun Watson. But I wish him nothing but the best wherever he goes. Yeah, I agree with that. I, I definitely wish him the best. I watched him in college, always thought he was a stand-up guy. And obviously you don't know what goes on in somebody's personal life, but um, until proven otherwise, uh, I think we, we should give him the benefit of the doubt for sure. And I think he'll be a good player wherever he goes as well. Aaron Rodgers is going back to the Packers. Four-year deal is what uh, it looks like it's going to be. What does that mean for Jordan Love, the Packers' controversial draft pick from a couple years ago? Uh, some people, including yourself, Andrew, have been uh, pondering what that would look like if the Steelers made a move for Jordan Love. Uh, let me get your thoughts on that. I am very open to the idea of trading for Jordan Love. And it's not just because I was high on him coming out. But he hasn't proven anything otherwise to me that my grade should change on him now. A lot of people are putting way too much stock into the game that he filled in for Rodgers this year. And, you know, he didn't have the greatest game, but he looked very timid. That's, you know, normal for being inexperienced. Uh, he didn't trust his stuff. He was going against the Chiefs team that was, if I remember correctly, they were like red hot at the time. Um, and obviously going up against Patrick Mahomes uh, is not exactly an easy task in one of your first NFL games ever so you know there, there was a lot of pressure there and obviously he didn't play that great but I don't think that's enough to say that you know he's not he's going to be a garbage quarterback for whatever team goes after him a lot of people I've heard some people bring up you know well if he was the answer if the Packers thought he was the answer why wouldn't they have just kept him and uh, gotten you know a king's ransom for 
Aaron Rodgers. And that makes a lot of sense. I can understand where that thinking is coming from, but I think more of it is just about the fact that I think the Packers, when they drafted Jordan Love, they expected Aaron Rodgers to begin regressing and he hasn't, he's still playing at an MVP level. So Correct. they felt it worthwhile to extend him and keep him around. But if Jordan Love becomes available, I would do it for a second. I know a lot of people would not do that. I would do it for a second just because if he was in this draft, I would have him almost or right near Malik Willis as the potentially the number one quarterback in this draft. If he was in this draft class sure. and I, you know, that could be, you know, a negative connotation against this year's draft to some, in some people's eyes, but I still think Jordan Love has potential. If you can get him for a third round pick, I think you do it all day, every day. And I would definitely consider it for a second. Yeah. Those day two picks um, you don't find, I think in this draft class for a day two pick, anybody who has a, a better or had a better grade than he would have coming out uh, in 2020. He's a, an intriguing option to me as well because he's so young. And I don't think we've seen the athleticism in the pros that he could um, show to be a viable option in a Matt Canada offense. So that would be somebody that could come in and compete right away for starting snaps in 2022. And a guy who does have a lot of upside, definitely enough upside to be uh, worthy of a first round pick for the Packers a, a couple of years ago. And if you you give up a second or a third, it's it's not too bad. It's it's good value, I believe, at that point. We talked a little bit about the O line already in free agency, so we won't go back there. Uh, do you see the cornerback position as a free agency priority? I do, just because there's a lot of options out there. J.C. Jackson's obviously the guy everyone wants to go after. I tried to fit him into my perfect offseason plan that's going to run on Monday, but didn't fit. I ended up going to Stephon Gilmore on that list. And this this is my just my fantasy world. I This is not going to happen. The Steelers would never replace all three starting corners from the previous year. Right. But you could get Stephon Gilmore for about two years, $25, $26 million, pay him maybe $10 million of that this year. And then come back in the second wave of, or still the first wave of free agency, get to Von Young, which uh, right before this podcast aired, we saw that the Steelers had uh, signed Arthur Millette, which is yes, not a move that I was, I was not a fan of at all. Yeah. Uh, you know, I, I don't see where that fits in. I, he was horrible in coverage last year. He's a decent <laughs> run defender. He has some blitzing ability. I think he's a waste of a roster spot personally. That's just me. I would rather sign to Von Young, a guy who, got a bloated contract with Baltimore, got injured a lot, had three season-ending injuries in four years. He's a guy that I think could come on the cheap for the slot, and the Steelers showed interest in him back in 2016 when he was coming out in the draft. And then in the second wave of free agency, maybe get a guy, another, again, I know this is a big risk because you're talking injury-prone guys, but Sidney Jones is a guy, signed him on a one-year deal, and then you would still have decent depth behind him. You know, worst-case scenario, you have James Pierre behind him, Cameron Sutton, you know, would you consider trading him? Maybe you could get something for him, maybe a day three pick. You know, there, there's so many things you could do that's so flexible at the cornerback position this year. The Steelers have the money to make things happen, but I'm curious to see what moves they make. I've seen Carlson Davis rumors. Uh, of course, that was just Andrew Filipponi. You know, put whatever stock right. you want in that. But still, <laughs> yeah. you know, I would not be happy if it was Carlson Davis. That means more zone defense. I want man-to-man corners. Give me some corners. Yeah, that's right. Load them up is what I'm saying. I I did not understand the Mallette move and it makes me wonder, I know they don't play the exact same position, but it makes me wonder if that means the Steelers are going to shy away from handing 
Akella Witherspoon, another contract who I think was far more deserving in or after what we saw in 2021 than Millette was. A guy I'm keeping my eye on is Darius Williams, who played opposite Jalen Ramsey, another Ram. Maybe I'm all in on these Rams for some reason, um, but uh, he's he may not be a, a shutdown corner, but he's definitely a a solid player. He's a guy that's going to give you starter quality snaps uh, on defense at the cornerback position and could hold his own on uh, one side of the field while the Steelers figure out what's going on, whether that be with a rookie or with a, another free agent uh, pick or pickup, excuse me. And uh, I just think that his tape in 2020 and then his um, his ability to hold his own across from Ramsey, despite a lot of targets coming his way uh, because of uh, Ramsey's presence on that same defense. I think that he's got a lot of a good standing in the eyes of uh, decision makers around the league. I, I would not be um, shocked, nor would I be disappointed if the Steelers uh, dip their toes in those waters as well. Did you have anybody else that you think the Steelers might keep an eye on uh, heading into free agency just real quick before we close it out? It'll be interesting to see what happens with Mitch Trubisky. That's going to be a big storyline. Um, a couple lower entry agents. I'd already mentioned Tyrell Crosby. He's a guy like um, Mason Cole is a guy that I've really become to like. Of course, I've liked him ever since his days at Michigan, being a big Michigan fan. But he's a guy you can probably get him for about $2 million a year. He was very solid. He's not an elite guy, but he was very solid. He was start. He was starter material with both Minnesota and Arizona. I think he's a guy, one of the most underrated centers out there, guy that you can get on the cheap, you know, especially if this would keep the Steelers from having to draft another center. Let Kendrick Green hit the reset button, bring him, uh, you know, let him sit on the bench for a few weeks, maybe half the year, let yes, Cole please. get in there and then maybe give Green another shot, something sure. like that. That would be ideal. And I'm not going to get any more for sake of time, but check out that article that will have already run by the time that this is out, but go back and check it out. Half of it's probably already strewn all over the place because half of them have already been signed <laughs> elsewhere. But check that out. I have all of the free agent signings, all the draft picks, everything lined up this offseason that will fit under the salary cap. Absolutely. Definitely check out that article from Andrew. And before we go, I want to make it very clear to all the listeners and to everybody what my thoughts for this early free agency period are for the Steelers and how they'll handle the, the draft just real quick based on that. A lot of Steelers fans want that quarterback, wh whoever it is, just somebody other than Mason Rudolph, right? Uh, any warm body except the reindeer namesake in the backfield for the Steelers. Let me say this. I think Rudolph kind of sits in as the Steelers veteran option at the quarterback position. Haskins is basically relative to a free agent acquisition this year as well um, on the level of a guy like Jacoby Brissett or even maybe Marcus Mariota. I think you put a little more weight on Marcus Mariota, but I think from the Steelers perspective, they've already acquired those guys. And then I just think that they're locked in on quarterback in the draft and that's who they're going to pick in the first round. They're going to pick a quarterback there. So I just wanted to let Steeler nation know that's what I see. 
Uh, you heard it here first. Maybe, I don't know. There's a lot of talking heads on Twitter and uh, all the way around, but that's just my thoughts. So let's see how it plays out. The Steelers are going to address other positions in free agency, and we're going to have a lot to talk about over the next week or so. Andrew, it was fun as always. Let's do it again next week, huh? Yes, sir. Go Steelers. Go Steelers. Jeremy Betts, Andrew Woodbar signing off. Till next time. <laughs>